Welcome everybody to EPAR Trade Live. And uh, we have the subject, putting power to the pavement, how VP racing fuels is producing real results through traction and fuel performance. And we're lucky to have uh, Jason Rukert here from VP Racing Fuels and Tyler Crosno of Virginia Motorsports Park and uh, the PDRA Racing Series. Uh, I'll be your host, John Kilroy. I'm Chief of Content and Audience Development for EPAR Trade. Um, just uh, want to mention again that uh, we're organizing Online Race Industry Week for November 30th through December 4th. The pandemic has, um, is kind of wrecking actual in-person trade shows, so SEMA canceled. Uh, I don't know for sure what's going to happen with the PRI show, but it's just tricky having an in-person trade show right now with this pandemic. So uh, we're going to provide a place where everybody can make their 2021 product introductions on EPAR trade. And then we'll provide content that week and just have a week full of, of webinars such as this. And then some other surprises along the way. So just be uh, ready for online race industry week, November 30th through December 4th. And uh, we'll let you know how to uh, log in to all the different webinars. And the theme is all together now and kind of a, a trade show experience, but online. We can do almost everything online except uh, we can't buy each other beer. So that, that, that's the problem with the online trade show. Um, wow. And then just some quick housekeeping notes. Uh, the webinar attendees are on mute and, and won't be on video the whole time. And um, then we want you to ask questions. So uh, at the bottom of the Zoom uh, screen, there's a little menu item called chat. And you just click on chat, open it up, type in your questions, and then I'll be reading the questions and throw them out to Jason and Tyler. So just go ahead and start that now and, and give me your questions. Um, and then if you're new to Zoom, you don't know how to use it, you're having some t technical issues, we just can't resolve them uh, for you right now. Uh, sorry about that. And then I just want you to know uh, this uh, session will be recorded and uh, be available for viewing at a later date. Everybody who signed in, we're going to send you a password and, and tell you, here's where it is, here's where you can find it. If you want to watch it again, or you want uh, somebody else to watch it. Uh, EPART Trade uh, is a robust digital platform for sourcing racing products or suppliers. Uh, it's just a way for, uh, to update the racing industry and have us all take the next step so that there's a really strong online presence of the racing industry as uh, other industries have. So it's really cool software and it's easy to source products. It just takes minutes. It's really well done. Um, and I say that going back to the first time I tried it. I'm not a computer guy, but just clicking on the different uh, buttons and going different places pretty quickly. I felt like I was traveling the world to, to shop for racing technology. So uh, give it a try. It works. And um, it's fun. So uh, BP Racing Fuels, uh, in my whole career in racing, it just seemed like BP Racing Fuels was here, there, and everywhere. You just couldn't really turn around at, at a racetrack or other events, and there's BP Racing Fuels. And I, I always viewed it as a, a company really dedicated to making racing work. So uh, the great thing about the racing industry is there's a sport, but the racing industry keeps the sport going. And uh, BP Racing Fuels is just one of the soldiers out there keeping racing going. I've always seen a real dedication to the racetracks by BP Racing Fuels, a real dedication to the racers. So congratulations. It just seems to start with kind of a heartfelt approach uh, to just keeping racing going as best as we all can. Founded by Steve Burns in 1975, uh, Steve worked a lot with Rare Morrison in the early days to develop fuel technology. Uh, BP is a one-stop shop for race fuels, performance lubricants, coolants, street additives, diesel care, small engine fuels, and appearance products. Over 200 employees, five distribution points. So uh, just, just to get started, I have one more thing I just want to add. When we had this concept of track prep, I have in my head a view of Bubby Jones uh, prepping the track at Paris Auto Speedway. And... That was a dirt track, so it's a bit different than a lot of what we're going to talk about. But to see Bubby Jones in this giant tractor going gently through Paris Auto Speedway and just carefully getting the track just right, it just was a clear picture in my mind what care everybody takes at the good racetracks to really give the racers a great experience where they can count on a track that they can really have fun 
and the track can be the, uh, the least uh, worrisome part of the project. They can worry about the engine, worry about other stuff, but they don't have to worry about the track because there's guys like Bubby Jones, Jason, and Tyler taking care of you. So let, let's just start at the beginning. And Jason, I'll start with you. Okay. Uh, why don't you walk us through kind of getting ready for a, a drag race and the idea of prepping the track, and then I'll have Tyler uh, add to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll even take it one step back a little further. You know, when I, you know, VP has had a traction compound for, you know, we've been in the compound industry for probably 25 years or so. Steve Burns, you know, started, you know, dabbling in it back in the, I would say probably early to mid 90s. And when I came on board, you know, it was just something that we had, we just, we had traction compound. And I don't know if it was any better than the competition, any worse. It's just, we, it was a product we offered. And what had happened is in, in my own personal racing, I started getting into some of this higher horsepower heads up racing in about 2003. And you would go to these racetracks and you spent all this time to get there, all this money, you're trying to put it down the power and you go out there and smoke the tires. And you do that five or six times and you leave frustrated you know, you didn't get any data. You didn't get anything that was that was worth, you know, your time spent. And and no one wants to tune their car down to have to get down a track on a test day. So I started looking more into the traction compound end of it and talking with Steve and 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 whatnot. And it it really, I started going after track prep in that mindset of I want everybody there to have a good time. Just kind of like what you said. I, I want that to be the one of the least worries that a racer has when they go to race because they shouldn't have to worry about the track prep they should you know worry about like i said what they're what they're doing with their tune-ups what they're you know other things they're looking for and that really started us down a, a, a different path of looking at newer products looking at different you know components in the traction compound because the current offerings were technology that started in the 60s and at this point, and, and even in 2003, 2004, you, you know, a car now, or a car, you know, back the, the, when the first compounds were developed was making four or 500 horsepower. Now a streetcar was making 12, 1300 horsepower. And it takes a different type of product and a different application to make these cars put on a racetrack. And so that was kind of where I started looking at it from, not so much of you know, I shouldn't say a, a, a track business, but I was like, if we have a product that these we can offer these tracks that makes their job easier, that's what we, you know, that that was what got me involved in trying to, you know, help develop newer products and, and something that was was better for the technology of where racing is going. Very cool. And, and, and Tyler um, at Virginia Motorsports Park. Um, What's that like? There's a race weekend coming up. How do you approach the task of, of getting the track ready? Yeah, and that's it, it's funny you you asked that question. We're actually going through that right now. Um, we actually go out first and, and scrape the racetrack, and that's how we we start. We take all the old rubber off, all the glue that's been there for days, and actually remove it from the racing surface. And basically, you just start over. Um, we use our, tra our tractors with our tire draggers to build, build rubber back on the racetrack, mixing in our, our traction compounds to create layers uh, on the racing surface. And like Jason said, you take that question of, oh, is, is the racetrack going to be good enough? Is the racetrack not going to be good enough? Do I want to go to this certain racetrack because they're going to take pride in track prep or go race with this certain series? Um, for the same type thing. And that's where, that's where we try to pride ourselves. Um, I know that's where VP prides themselves as well. And that's why we choose to go with their product on a number of our events and for our series as well with the PDRA. And then how, how long is the process when you approach the task of getting the track ready? Is it like two days, four days? Multiple days. Um, I actually have a team out right now scraping. And then tonight I'll go out and start relaying rubber down on the surface spraying glue and making making the the racing surface up to par for for the products and the teams that we have coming to test with us tomorrow and we'll be on the racetrack tomorrow at two in the afternoon so uh, a a quick way is a day um but it takes multiple people and and a day is not eight to five on, on track prep it, it's a 
it's an eight o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night job and it, it doesn't check up it, at all either. And then how do you test it? You know, it's ready. Usually it's just going by the feel. Um, they, they make a traction meter. You, you'll see people walk out on the racetrack with a little meter thing. They'll put it down on the ground. They'll put both feet on it, push it into the racetrack and turn it. It basically kind of creates a number that is a reading for teams that say, okay, the racetrack's this good, the racetrack's that, blah, blah, blah. And what I go by is I just go by the feel of it. Um, Jason and I have done it for so long that we can walk by people that have the um, that have the the track meters and they're out there doing that. And we go, hmm, what's it pull about 400 or 380? And they're like, um, yeah. So, so Jason and I just kind of use our feet and we go, that's when we know, Hey, look, this is what it should feel like when we're trying to run a pro mod or a drag radial star call car, whatever it is um, for that very test session or that event. Yeah. I, I use, I use my, actually I use my thumb and I was taught that years ago to you take your thumb and you push it along on the rubber base and you can see if the rubber moves and things like that, because like, you know, Tyler was talking about the, uh, the traction meters, they just test a coefficient of friction. They have a, a rubber pad and it goes rubber to rubber right on the surface and then it twists it. And then at a certain spot that meter will break loose and then there's your reading. And, and that works great for, you know, knowing what the rubber, the foundation that like Tyler put down is, but for different styles of cars, they're actually, not as like a drag radio car. Drag radio car needs a lot of stick, a lot of up and down stickiness to your foot. Well, if you go out there and you put one of those meters on there, it's actually going to slide on top of the glue. And so it'll give you a, a low reading. And in some people's mind, they're like, well, that track's no good. And, but actually the track will be amazing because, you know, it's designed for that type of application for that, you know, for like a drag radio car. Okay. And then just so I'm clear, I, I may have gotten this wrong, but is the track prepared the same way for every uh, race series and every race weekend? Or is there something different for more bracket racers and something different for when you get pro mods come to town? Oh, yeah. Is it different? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the hardest thing over the years has been, you know, a bracket track might be you know might want this but now in bracket racing you have guys that are running radial tires right along with the guys running big slicks so they may need a little bit so there there's a little bit of of crossover between them but the big one is a drag radial prep versus a pro mod prep and where a pro mod and now things are starting to change and tyler's going to be able to add a lot to this but back in the day you didn't spray any glue for the first 60 feet of the of, of a pro mod track because you want them to build their own rubber base and get wheel speed especially a clutch nitrous car and where a drag radial car you don't want any wheel speed that thing needs to be stuck like a chuck to the ground and but what happens is if you put a pro mod on it with a big flappy tire they'll shake the tire and it'll, it'll wad it up and square it up but what guys are learning, and Tyler is going to fill you in on this, is pro mod guys are starting to figure out the really tight, sticky tracks, and they're flying on it. Yeah, that's, that's one of the deals that, I, and I hate to be the, I hate to pat my own self on the back, but we, <laughs> but I actually was one of the first ones to do a a race with fast small tire cars and big tire pro mods and make them both go down the racetrack at record times. Um, with our, our event, what year was that, Jason? Probably 2016, 2017. Yeah, 2016 um, or 17. Was our first year that we threw Pro Mod in with the Outlaw Street Car Reunion was an event that I used to promote before I moved to Virginia. And we threw Pro Mods in, and everybody was saying, oh, it's going to mess the track up. The racetrack won't be as good, blah, blah, blah. Well, the racetrack got better because the big tires put rubber down, which makes the starting line better for the adhesion of glue for the radial tires. And the pro mod guys figured out how to keep the tire round. As Jason talked about, when the glue would try to stop the tire and square it off and you see the tire shake marks on the racetrack um, and you hear the announcers talk about they're going to need some new fillings in that on Monday. That's, <laughs> that's where you hear the, oh, the racetrack's too tight or anything like that. Well, nowadays, in the last three years for pro mod racers, that's just changed. Um, I had a test session just Sunday 
with a well-known pro mod racer who if you would have sprayed glue on a racetrack um closer to the starting line two years ago he would have torn your head apart and he walked up to me and he goes hey can you run some glue across the starting line for me and i about fell out is this who i'm thinking it is yes it is it is exactly i got called a lot of bad names by him and um first first run down the racetrack uh strolls right down broadway makes his best run of the year and we were all pretty happy about it and it was just one of those deals where i was like hmm that just shows how much this has changed in the last the last couple of years as the fact of pro mod guys are learning that if you make that tire get wheel speed and you force the wheel speed not the racetrack force the wheel speed to the vehicle then you can control that power and you can put more to the ground now all of a sudden ets are now well known into the 360s for Pro Nitrous Pro Boost and our PDRA series, where they used to be 370s, maybe would see a 360 every now and then. Um, and that's all due to the racetrack. The racetracks are, are so much better than they used to be. And and now they're now the guys are learning. It's very easy to go out and say, look, it's 135 degrees on the racetrack, and we can say we're gonna go three set bottom 370s, high 360s. That they used to be a that they only could do at night. So, just seeing the evolution of, of track prep and seeing the evolution of racers and tuners that know, look, I can put more power to the ground with more glue on the racetrack. I just have to know how to harness it and make it control the car better. And that's John, where we we, we go into the the difference in the products with like our you know our Lane Choice Seven, which was you know kind of our, our premier product. Um, you know, this racer that he's, he's speaking about used to absolutely, if he, if he knew it was a VP sprayed track, he, he would pack up and leave because it wasn't what the norm used to be. And then over the years, this racers actually ran on tracks that he didn't know was sprayed by VP or on VP and ran his career best stuff. Where now these racers are starting to trust the track prep guy more than just the drum of product. I mean, we've had to do silly stuff over the years, like change the color of our drums and make it smell different just so that the racers don't, you know, think something is different. And, but now, you know, with guys like Tyler and, you know, Jimmy and Kurt and, you know, these other guys that are in the, in the, the, the track prep industry, you know, they go out there and say, look, we're using VP lane choice seven. And some guys go, well, isn't that a radial only glue? Well, you got, Odds that have set the, you know, the national records on ProMod have been set on VP. The national records on, you know, radial have been on VP. I mean, our lane choice seven, and like Tyler said, with the, the old products, 135 degree racetrack was done. I mean, that's a slimy racetrack. You're not going down it or you're pulling a lot of power. And now on 135 degree racetrack with, you know, how these guys prep and with our product, you can run just as good on that as you can on a 90 degree track at night. That's yeah, great. And, and I used this past weekend just for for the numbers purpose, just because it's still fresh on my mind. Um, first round of qualifying for Pro Nitrous, we had uh, 373 thrown on the board. And you turn around in Q2, there's a 30-degree difference on the racetrack, and the best run was a 69. So almost a 30, 30 to 35 temperature difference on the racing surface, which is huge when it's 130 to 100 and only three to four numbers pick up in ET. I mean, that just goes to show how good the product is um, and how good the racers are that, that race with our series and, and run on the products and use the products of VP. Very cool. And then Tyler, uh, I'm just curious when the, the teams arrive for a race weekend and they take a look at the lanes and try to figure out which one they would might favor, do they ask you a lot of questions about track prep or, or do they just kind of make it their own decisions about it? Oh, 100%. I have said for years, and Jason and I have both said this, we're going to have our own t-shirt line whenever we either retire or we just decide that we need more money. And it's going to be a don't ask the prep guy t-shirt, and there'll be like rules on the back of it. And it, But the, what we figured out is there'll be people that need to wear a small, and there's not enough room on a small to get all the rules on. And I'm kind of a skinny guy, so it's like I don't know if this is going to work or not. Oh, that's but funny. we've – um. We have that all the time. I have guys come up to me and go, man, what lane do you think is better? And I'm like, I, I mean, they're both sprayed the same. They're both sprayed at the both. They're both at the same speed. They both got the same amount of runs on the rotator afterwards. 
and it's just there's really no difference. The only difference that you usually can see on a starting line or down track is if there's been an oil down, that lane will actually be better after after all the attention is put on it. Um, you yes, uh, of course the first thing people think is oh it just had an oil down, that lane's not going to be as good. Well the the actual fact of it is is that that lane's better. Um, you've seen tractors on it for 15, 20 minutes. Well, the other lane is not getting that much attention. So the, and I've seen people do it. They'll, they'll change lanes after an oil down and eliminations thinking, well, I'm going to the lane that's, that I know wasn't messed up and get beat by the guy that they put in the lane that they were in. And it, it just, it happens every race. People will come up and just be like, Hey, what's, what's the difference in the lanes? And I'm like, one was poured concrete wise on like a Monday and the other one was on a Tuesday, I guess. I, I don't know because they're prepped the same and, and they look the same. It, it's all, it's all really at the, at the helm of the drivers and the crew chiefs of, are they, does one, does maybe a car move a little to the left with a different amount of rear steer and they like one lane or the other, or, or maybe the driver can see the tree better in a different lane because of where the A pillar or the hood scoop or the blower scoop is. Yeah, very good. Well, go ahead, Jason. Do you want to add? Oh that? no, I was just I was just going to kind of add to that. You know, it it is it is funny over the years. You know that that the dependency upon the track prep guy has really, you know, it you've become almost like a part of the team. And and if you've seen you know national event teams and NHRA, they have their own track track specialists that come out and you know check the track and go back and tell the teams you know what what they see and whatnot. But you know. And in some instances, especially in the last three, I'd say three years or so, um, and some of the small tire stuff, it's almost to the point now where though racers depend so much upon the racetrack that some of the guys are, are, you know, lost in their tuning skills because if the track isn't there, if they can't come out with a car, you know, say the car went a four flat the night before and they come out the next day and knock the tires off three times, they'll look at you and go, what's wrong with the track? Well, the sun's out, the track's 20 degrees hotter, the glue is, you know, smushier, you know, I mean, you can't come out and do the same thing. So, you know, it's, uh, it, th this, this track prep industry has gotten pretty wild in the last five or six years. And there's, you know, it's, a uh, it, it's cool when it all goes well, but, uh, like I said, when, when it doesn't, you know, you can go from hero to zero in their eyes pretty darn quick. Not bad. Yeah, and and it's crazy just for to finish up what Jason said there. The the industry has changed so much in five to six years, um, really seven years. Um, Jason and I were kind of one of the first ones to do it, but when I worked for for VP directly, um, he sent me around the racetracks to basically teach schools um, as far as for how to use the product and Jason's done it a million times as well. But um, when I left and, and, and kind of went out on my own, I actually went to a different racetrack that I am now. And then in between my time in Memphis and now in Virginia, I worked for myself and traveled the world prepping racetracks. I, I, and it's like, I would have never packed up and gone to Brazil or to Australia or Europe or anything like that. But that's where track prep took me. And, and I look back on those times and I go, that was an amazing experience. And, and I would never change that. And, and I would never, ever want to go back and say, do something different for those five years of my life. But I look at it now and I say, from a racetrack standpoint, I go, wow, how did people afford that? Because things are so tight, even this year for, for budgeting that how can you afford to bring in somebody when you have people on staff and on payroll that, that are supposed to do that job um, from the racing from the racetrack standpoint, but then also on the, from where I was, it was just a thing of, everybody's calling on your services. You feel like you're a hero. You feel like you're the, you feel like you're a bad man. And then you walk in and it's the last round of qualifying, the sun's out and the racetrack's 130 degrees and everybody wants to kill you. And you're like, nah, never mind. This is kind of overrated. But, <laughs> but then at the end of the night, whenever everybody would run good, that was what, I think that's what really catapulted my career. Um, I, and everywhere I went, I was using VP glue. And, and I really feel like that that took a, a big toll for increasing product awareness just for tracks that had never used it before. Um, there are now tracks that are solely VP. Um, 
or that had never seen a drum of glue before. I went there before Jason went there and anybody else that's, that's doing this position that we we've done in the past. And that's just broaden the horizons and broaden the education of what the product can do um, in any condition for any tire and for any application in a race car. So that's the awareness and the knowledge of, of track prep has definitely made a big move. And you even hear it on the national event scale. Um, I mean, people that watch the NHRA races on FS1 and Fox, there's been numerous times that drivers have gotten out of the car and made comments about track prep, good, bad, or indifferent. But that just goes to show how much it's changed. I, I mean, I think back to the nineties when I was a kid, yeah, y'all are both going to kill me for saying back to the nineties when I was a kid. And, but I can remember John Force jumping out of a car on fire blazing and jump out and go, whoo, we just won this thing, blah, blah, blah. But he wasn't talking about track prep. That thing was skating all over the racetrack, used 1500 foot to, to clip a 1320 foot timing cone. But he wasn't talking about track prep. Nowadays, that thing makes a little wiggle out at, you know, way down there when the parachutes come out. Oh, there's, there's something wrong with the racetrack. It, it's just racer mentality, and, and it really is, has changed so much. But it's it's for the better, and, and we all want to go fast, and, and everybody does that. It, it's just sport. It's the evolution of our sport. Yeah, and like I said, and that's that's where you know we go with our, with the lane choice seven stuff because is is you know you look at the technology and the things you know. Uh, like I said, when I started in in 03 and 04 and started you know just messing with it and you know some of the first tracks I went to, VP sent me around the around the world and I went to about 250 tracks or so in uh, two years and you know I would show up there with our product and we would use whatever they had to prep the racetrack. I remember one of my first tracks, I showed up and uh, we had hand sprayers. We sat in the back of a pickup truck and with one nozzle and that was the sprayer. And then I had a, I had a, uh, an old, another pickup truck that had a, a loader tire on its side with two barrels of water on it. And that was your track drag. And then we brought pro mods out on it. So, I mean, you know, you know, the evolution of, you know, with the rotators and, and the equipment that, and the sprayers and, you know, it, it's all just, you know, helping everybody succeed and become better at what they do. And, and, you know, it's, it's, Honestly, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I enjoy racing myself and I enjoy going fast, but there's something like Tyler said to be, you know, it'd be said when you're standing on the racetrack and everyone's running their personal bests and the high fives are going on and you sit there and you go, you know, that was, that was a lot of work, but it's also a lot of knowledge as Tyler said, you know, he traveled like I did. You, he can look at a track and go, yeah, this is what it needs. And that's, that's, you know, quickly on the track prep thing, a great track prep person will know what's going to happen before it happens. They're, they're proactive rather than reactive because, you know, if you start seeing the track, you know, little, it'll give you little clues. Maybe the rubber's getting a little thin on the right, you know, the right tire mark or the hat, you know, and you go, okay, we need to work on this or we need to get ready for this because it's going to make a change. You know, the weather, you know, that sometimes on some tracks or there's a track that I help out a lot in Michigan that, as soon as the sun goes down, it's got a really weird humidity water table thing. I mean, you don't necessarily feel it, but you'll watch the cars. And so I know at that track at seven o'clock when the sun goes down, we stop, we drag, we spray, we drag. Otherwise, you're going to have cars getting loose at 330 feet. So there's, you know, the things you learn and, and you know, and by working at all these different tracks as, as Tyler has and myself, you know, you can give advice and you can help you know, other, other track prep guys. I'm sure, like I said, we've got, you know, a few of quite of our, our, our good friends that are in, still out there working for themselves and, and, and going around and prepping tracks every week. And, and they're, they're learning it too. And, and, you know, you just, you, you watch, if you watch on social media, you see every, every event that one of our guys, you know, and I say our guys, guys that are using VP and, and whatnot, you know, you just see it get better and better and you get to see the, the positive results and, and, uh, you know, and then on the flip side, if there are negatives, the one good thing about us or, or VP is I'm always available on the phone to give advice on it. And if I get stumped, we got, you know, Tyler or Kurt or Jimmy or Wade or, you know, all these guys that are, are VP, you know, users, you know, we'll figure out what the issue is. And, and some of our competition, they don't have that. They don't have the, the you know, ability to hey, let's check things and, and let, have you ever run into this situation before? And I guarantee you one of the 10 of us, we've run into that situation before, so. 
Well, I, I want to thank you both for all you've done in developing uh, this technology. Uh, I always think uh, the strength of the racing industry, a lot of it depends on how somebody uh, who's new to racing, how they experience the sport. They can do a lot of other things and then go drag racing. But if they go in and they kind of have initially a good experience and they feel like they can go down a path to become more and more competitive, then that benefits us all because they stay in racing and they don't leave to go buy a bass boat or something. And the idea of, of, of making the track a part of the equation to making it easier and more fun, that's what they're buying, they're buying fun. Uh, it keeps those cars on the tracks, it keeps those guys in this sport and, and spending money versus being someplace else. So thank you for all you've done. I, I have a question, uh, that are, a question on the chat room. And uh, I'll ask it, it's kind of answered, but I'll uh, ask it so for everybody. And then again, if you have a question, just write it in on the, the chat option at the bottom of the Zoom screen and, and we'll ask the question. So uh, Jason, the question was about the VP Racing Fuels online store. There's some question whether it existed or where it doesn't. I, I, I know it does. But why don't you explain the online store for VP Racing well, Fuels? Okay, we, we've just changed a couple things on it. So I, I saw the question come across and, and uh, it is open and online. Just go onto our website, you know, vpracingfuels.com and we've got an e-commerce site and we, we just changed a few things on there to, uh, to calculate shipping and, and things like that. Cause it is, it is hard to ship some hazmat product if, if uh, you know, folks want it and, and shipping rates vary, different parts of the country vary. So it, it's kind of been more of a manual process than uh, just an online process and we've, we're streamlining that and our, our folks in Texas are getting it all uh, figured out so uh, um, and we're you know we've got some good things on the horizon as far as you know apparel and and, and whatnot so we've, we've you know we, we keep expanding you know VP you know and, and when I started here 22 years ago I mean we we had race fuel and jugs that was that was it and a little traction compound and now it's just it's amazing to see the diversity and you know what we are doing at VP now with you know of course branded gas stations, quick lubes, you know our our consumer product side. You know we've got in, in all the major retailers our small engine fuels. You know our new line of lubricants that are absolutely awesome. I mean I sound like, I sound like the, uh, the the Billy Mays. You know I mean I'll, it's awesome. You know <laughs> but uh, you know we've got, we've got so many good things going on with with VP right now that. Uh, it's, 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 it's almost hard to uh, put it all under one umbrella and say, you know, but yeah, the, the, the e-commerce store is, is open and up and running and, and uh, you can go on there and order, you know, order anything you want. Good. I think we're going to uh, move eventually over to fuels away from uh, the traction compounds. But I, I want to ask one more question that I see that you have a, a racetrack prep product for dirt tracks. And I don't know if everybody's familiar with that. Explain that, Jason. It's called Stay Wet, and, and it was uh, developed, uh, oh, I think probably five, six years ago. Um, and what the main purpose is, is to keep the dust down and to keep the, the dirt more, I don't want to call it pliable, but basically keep the moisture in the dirt. And, and I will tell you, I've, I've worked with it a little bit. I don't do a, quite a, a lot about, you know, quite a lot, and, but it is... Dirt track prep is way different than drag strip prep, and you have to be a soil master to figure this stuff out because everything is different. Like here in Terre Haute, our our track here, you know, our you know the famed oval here has a lot of I want to call it river silt, river sand on top, and we've tried the product there, and I mean, and you you're out there, and these guys are hauling, and it looks great, and all of a sudden, boom. Big and dusty again. I mean, and they they bring out the tools and they get it in deep like they're supposed to and dig it all up and and it just there's you know and but there are some tracks that have you know hold the hold the moisture better like more clay and things like that. So it's a it's definitely something to try if if you know you have a really dusty environment and you know the spectators are having issues seeing. But you know that is that is just like back in the day with with. Uh, drag strip prep you know everybody had their own concoction whether it was coke syrup or you know something like that well well drag circle track oval dirt shoot they've got all sorts of interesting stuff there's there's bottles of downy and you know soap and 
you know, all the, all sorts of things. And, uh, but, but yeah, our product, you know, it, it does, you know, the tracks that have used it and really know what they're doing. They've had a good, you know, good, good, uh, run of it. But if you're just got a dusty track and you don't really don't know what you're doing and you just spray it out there, it's probably not going to help you out. But, uh, you know, we've got a dirt track expert so staff that, that can definitely help out. So. Yeah, the, yeah, the dirt tracks are so complicated. I remember at Ascot, it's not too far away from the Pacific Ocean, and everybody would qual qualify on the track, and then it'd get to be nighttime, and just an ocean breeze would come over the track and, and change the track completely. So you, you raced on a different track than you did uh, qualifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you go into the dirt track world, I mean, that's, you know, actually one of our, our, our uh, best um, shot guys in the drag race industry um, came from the dirt late model market and, and they used to own dirt late model teams. And to, if you, and if you ever look at some of these cars, the way they get on the track on the drag strip now, especially radials, they all look like a dirt late model. They're hiked up in the rear end and the nose is down. And, that, and that's all, you know, our, our buddy Mark, I mean, that's where he came out of the dirt late model. And then, you know, he's, he's a very scientific guy, but like you said, the tracks would change, you know, between heat heats and features. And, and so, you know, he, understands that and, and he's actually brought that technology to drag racing because and, and of course it's 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 just become a, a huge success but yeah the dirt track stuff you know when you go in a trailer and you just see those I mean they've got their own shock dynos they've got their rows of shocks and springs and, and I mean they're just changing that stuff like you know we change underwear it's crazy and then I have another question um, again just write your questions on the, the chat option and we'll read them uh, so this is about off-the-shelf additives uh, for this uh, gentleman's customers. The bottles claim eight points, but he was told by a fuel expert that it does not make any octane points. Uh, he has guys who can't afford 106 octane. They run 88 at the pump and want to know exactly if those bottles of uh, off the, the auto stores shelves really have an advantage for their uh, you know engines. There are there are different measurements for different products. I can't speak to anything other than really ours, but you know, there are some of the off-road products that will raise the octane points. You know, if it says four, it'll raise it four octane points, but most of the street stuff, you can figure it's about, you know, half to, you know, right in that neck of the woods. But if you're pinging or detonating on 88 octane, you know, on a, off a, or 87 at a pump, you probably want to just bump it up to 92 and see if it goes away. And if that doesn't go away, then try one of the additives, try our octanium, you know, street or street legal octanium. And that, if, if you're on that edge and it's just a light ping, like under load, things like that, that should get you over the hump. But if you're to the point where it's really knocking and it's hurting things, you've probably got way too much compression or timing or something where, I mean, if it's a street vehicle, then you may have to look elsewhere for whether it's a water meth injection or something like that. But uh, um, generally, the street products that you see, you know, our competition things, if it says it's eight points of octane, a lot of times it's not. It, I mean, that, sometimes it could even be, that could be 0. 0.8, you know, octane. And, so. it's, it's my understanding, and tell me if I'm wrong, but that in race fuels, it's just not as simple as, I'm going to add more octane and the more octane I put in the, the faster I'll be. No, it's not. There's the, it, it's more about burn speed, rate of evaporation, things like that, you know, and, and case in point, uh, one of our most popular fuels for uh, uh, ProMod nitrous uh, for these 950 cubic inch engines is a product called C25. Well, C25 was developed by Steve Burns as a dyno fuel for NHRA pro stock back in the early early 2000s, late 90s, okay? It was never designed as a power fuel. If you really look at the octane numbers, it's low. It's 100 and 112, 113 motor octane. So at that time, everyone running nitrous was 120 plus octane and things like that. But when they started running these big cubic inch nitrous engines with fuel injection, now you had something that you could inject this fuel right behind the intake valve. It didn't have any travel time going from 
filters down the intake manifold into the into the combustion chamber and so now you can have a fuel that burns cleaner quicker more complete and leaves nothing in the chamber after the after the combustion cycle and it works great but on paper you, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't work at all but the the fuels now that were designed for nitrous 25 years ago if you try them in these fuel injected 959s i mean that they, they they'll end up burning up because there's fuel left in the chamber and it catches fire and melts the top of the pistons and all sorts of stuff so. yeah my boss runs one of those big 959 motors and i sell him a lot of c25 so thank you very you much go. for that <laughs> there you go <laughs> Um, and then uh, when you look at the, the product uh, arrangement, uh, how extensive it is when it just comes to racing fuels. I mean, 50 racing fuels has a ton of products. But when we just look at racing fuels alone, it's not we have one racing fuel. We have, you have a lot of racing fuels. What's the strategy behind each one? Is it difficult? It sounds, looks like it's difficult to pick one out. Well, and it is, it's, uh, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. And, and it all kind of started when, when, when Steve, you know, he was the original mad scientist. And what would happen is, you know, if someone came to him and said, well, I've got this small block Chevrolet with a really tight combustion chamber and I'm spinning at 10,000 RPMs at the shift and things like that, he would go, okay, well, I can take C12 and I can do this or add this chemical and I can change this. And he would do that because back in the day it was it was easy for him he'd go to he'd call up Dwayne at the shop and say whip this up send it to me and then next thing you know that was c14 or then you know then one guy detonated on c14 well bob glidden bob glidden needed a fuel with a little bit more octane well guess what steve did a little more rearrangement to c14 c14 plus and i mean and that is how it's went over the years so you know it it almost got comical to the point where you know, if, if you called up Steve and you said, hey, man, I got a six, slant six Mopar with a Offenhauser intake and a, and a Holly carb, he'd make a new fuel for you that would work perfectly for that, for that engine. So, you know, that, is, but be, that has always been one of our, our niches in the market, though, is because we do have something for everything. I mean, we will... If, Something comes out and it's new, just like these side-by-sides now, these razors and whatnot. We, you know, you start and you say, okay, we'll put in 100 octane unleaded. That'll work. Well, then you realize that engine might want something a little better. So then you come up with UTV 96. Then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This one might want a little more oxygen. I want this. You put some T4 and you just keep, you know, making more and more. And then you have stepping stones and price ranges. And, and it, but it does become confusing. And, and we have actually over the years as, as, a, as a team and our management team, we have started discontinuing some of the products that, you know, have, if, if you don't sell a thousand gallons a year throughout the entire company, you know, I mean, we, won't, we don't ever throw them away, but if like you called me up and said, well, I need some, I don't even remember what, you know, whatever this product is, C13, which we haven't made in years, but you wanna buy, you know, 25 drums of it, we'll make a special batch for you. So we're still small enough to do that, but uh, you know, it's, but it, it's wild. I mean, and then things in technology change, you know, we, when I first got into VP and, and, and about the time of the traction compound thing, you know, we started, Steve made a resurgence on some of the oxygenated products. And that's when, you know, I got to travel to all these great dyno shops and Steve would be like, take this bucket of this and this bucket of this and mix it together at this and put it on the dyno and try it and then call me. And that's how 113, Q16, M5, you know, some of our more popular fuels, that's how they, that's how they started. I mean, you know, Q16 was developed at Tony Bischoff at BES's dyno in, in St. Leon, Indiana. I sat in there and about killed Richie as dyno guy, you know, just whipping up different blends for two days. That's cool. And, and yeah, just, Tyler, just think about that. Jason was the guy mixing fuels. Shh, don't tell him to that. Uh, Tyler, why don't you explain uh, what you're selling in terms of fuels or additives or what, what do you do there at Virginia Motorsports Park? Yeah, we actually um, became a VP dealer earlier this year and have been has been a wildly popular change for us. Um, in the past, we've done decent amount of fuel, just had one had the regulars, had 110, 113, and, or 110, 112, 116 on pumps. 
And then this year we swapped to VP and now we have five gallon pails, um, which is a very popular option for a lot of racers because they like that the product is sealed. It's airtight, it's sealed until they pick it up from us. It's sealed up. It's in a, it's weather, you know, it's in a weatherproof deal. It's all inside of our containers. That's, that's out of the weather. And, and then whenever you open the product, you know, it hasn't been leaked out to air or water might've possibly gotten in it when you had a bad storm and it backflowed through a, an air vent or, or anything like that. And, and that's been a very, very popular item for us is just the, the ease of purchase, the relatability, because people know X16, X14 is good for bracket cars. Um, C12 has been a big, a big buy here and VP 110 has been a big buy. Um, but coming off of like, we just had our PDRA race this past weekend. And then the week before that we had uh, XDA series, which was all motorcycles. We had 790 entries of bikes. Well, you go from a bike race to a pro mod race, the fuels are completely different. <laughs> so we had, um, so I mean, we would have MR12 here for the bikes, sold a ton of MR12, turned around at PDRA race, didn't sell a one up. <laughs> so the knowledge that I've had to learn is, okay, what do my local guys want to buy? Um, VP 110's hot, C12's hot, C16. Um, I have a lot, like Jason was speaking of, I have a lot of nitrous cars here. So C25 is very popular in my area. But we've kind of started slow. We're, and a lot of people don't know this. I, I just got to Virginia. The racetrack was purchased in um, October of 2017. So the racetrack has only been a new, new management, or new ownership for three years. Um, so we're still kind of getting what's the right twerks and, and kinks and, you know, what's the right way to do business on, on certain things. And we've kind of slowly taken the VP model. Um, by next year, we want to be where we're selling apparel. We're selling jugs every week. Um, the additives, 50 to one, anything like that. Um, we use 50 to one in our small engines and, and that's, we solely will use that. We don't use anything else but 50 to one. And it's because the product's good. We were burning through the year that I started here before our VP swap, we were burning through weed eater mowers, burning through small engines, all kinds of stuff. We swapped to 50 to one. We have not torn anything up in a year. And let me tell you something, I have 500 acres of grass and a lot of chain link fence. I can burn some weed eaters up. <laughs> so my, and I have, I mean, I've got a fleet of them. You walk into the shop and it's like a row of them. Just, some people have shotguns. I've got weed eaters just all the way down. And, and we'll run through them. We have a, a drag strip. We have a truck tractor pull arena and a motor motocross track and a BMX track all on 500 acres. And we keep all of those groomed and, and, and everything's like, we try to keep our grass and our, our everything as pristine as we can every week. So that takes a lot hard on equipment, hard on mowers, hard on weed ears. And, and we rely on, on VP for the fuels. And then in the next year, we, we plan on relying on them for lubricants for in additives for fuel, for protection, for, for over, over the winter breaks, um, anything and everything that we can use VP for we do, because then it makes our, our job easy. Um, our, just like I was mentioning, Earlier, the owner here, uh, Tommy Franklin, he owns a pro nitrous car. Um, his daughter runs top dragster. Um, his other daughter runs a junior dragster, and then he owns a, a bracket car. So we have four cars, and one of them stays with me here at the racetrack. Um, we all run VP products in them. So then it's easy to sell. People go, hey, what are you running in Tommy's dragster with a 555? Oh, I'm running C12 in it. Or, hey, we tested X14. It really liked it. We picked up a little bit. Or, hey, look, we tried this. It didn't like didn't like this. So then you have real world data that I don't have to go and call Jason or Chris at, at Delaware to say, ma'am, I got a car here that's doing this, this, and this. We can take that into our own hands. And then I'll be the same way when I get my car here um, using X16 and a, and a brand new Musi 555. But just to be able to go out and say, hey, look, this is what it did for my car. I swapped and put this in it and it did this that shows the differences in the product. And then it's an easy sale to a customer that walks in and says, Hey man, I got a 468 big block with 15 to one compression. What do I do with that? And without going into all the, 
Jason, Jason can go into all the scientific, this and this and this, you know, all this has this much percentage of this and oh, stop and all. I'm going to give you some real world data. Here's two time slips. This one's faster. This is the one you need. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny you say that that's one thing that, you know, I've always prided myself and the company on is, you know, our, our, our staff and the, the education that we can give our dealers and distributors and racetracks, not only on track prep, but on fuels, you know, we have the absolute best tech staff out there. In one phone call, you can get your questions answered, whether you're, you know, oval track, whether you're drag race, whether you're motorcycle. I mean, we've got almost everyone that is in management and even on down, most folks here are, we're racers. We, we race or we're, we're involved heavily in motorsports and, you know, like I said, that, that being able to have that real world data and talk to customers and talk to our tracks, you know, when a track calls me up and says, yeah, I'm seeing this rubber peel in blah, 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 blah. I go, yeah, I saw that at this track when I did this and it bubbled and the air, the gases couldn't get out, yada, yada, yada. And same thing on the race fuel side, you know, where, you know, Tyler's a racer, you know, not only is he a track prep and a manager, you know, but he's, he's a track, he's a racer. So he knows that. And that right there, that correlation with being a racer is, I mean, that's, you know, when he goes to another guy that says, man, have you ever seen this before? He goes, yeah, in my car, I did this and this, you know, that there is, is, you know, that that's leaps and bounds. That's not just guys sitting behind desks reading out of a brochure, you know, and that's, you know, that's what VP is. We aren't, we aren't that we are not just, you know, if you call me up and say, I, like I said, I got a Musi 555 with 16 to 1 compression with these heads and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to grab my desk and go, well, this compression that's, uh, you know, all of our staff at VP is going to, they're going to say, yeah, in our car, this is what happens or this, you know, and that's, that's what happens when you have, you know, real world data and real world racers, you know, here doing that. Selling you your product. And that's, and that goes a long way just for the fact of being able to speak the lingo. Let's be honest. Racers yeah, and racers, racetracks, anybody that's involved in motorsports, if they pick up the phone and call a guy and he goes, yeah, it has 6% this and 9% this, and this will create a cleaner burn, more than likely that guy's going to go, man, he never drove anything on the planet that can go down a racetrack in either 660 feet or 1,320. <laughs> but if you call somebody that knows how to speak that racer lingo, has, you know, hey, guys, hey man, look, three years ago I owned this car and we went out and it worked better with this and that and the real world knowledge and the real world capabilities of being able to have that experience. That's what goes a long way with selling products these days. And, and, and I've said that for years to be able to pick the phone up and talk to anybody at, at VP and say, look, I've got this more than likely they've either talked to somebody that's done it, they've tested it themselves or they have the car or they have the car or something like it that they can help you with. And, and that goes so far in yeah. in our world just because of being able to know the right language to speak to a customer that's sitting in the garage with four jack stands or pro jacks and got their car up on yeah well and we're there too we're at all the races i mean that that's there's a representative of vp at pretty much every form of motorsport two-wheeled you know i mean this weekend you know we've got you know freddie terza our 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 main you know tech guy and he's he's our our absolute you know our best resource out there for you know anything in the pro stock arena the factory showdown supercars and whatnot so he's he's going to indianapolis uh, i'm going to go to indianapolis to the u.s nationals and walk the pits on friday you know uh my boss bruce is coming into town along with our our west coast manager and then after that they're going to go to crandon wisconsin and go to the off-road race up there at Crandon and, and the uh, Ultra 4 event and our West Coast guy, Mike, that's what he does. He's an you know, off-road racer and whatnot. So, you know, we've got that. And then we're also going, to, we'll have representation at the, at the Pro Motocross at Red Bud, Michigan this weekend. So, I mean, we are always there, you know, uh, you know, we have, we have, you know, always, we're always at the IMSA events that, you know, we're the official fuel of and, 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 you know, like I said, Supercross, you know, indoor motocross, you name it, we're, we're there. So, you know, having that credibility with the, the racers and, and like I said, having an expert, at least one expert in what I would say almost every field, you know, on staff just, you know, makes us, makes us, like I said, it, it's, there's nothing better when you get a phone call from a guy and he's asking something and he can relate or you can relate to him. 
And 99% of the time, the guy already knows what he wants. He just wants that. Yeah, you're right, man. That's, that's, you're right. You know, and that, and that's, you know, but like I said, in this, I, I said it from day one, right? When I've hired new staff and new salespeople, I said, do not BS somebody on race fuel. I said, because if you do and they burn their stuff up, it's going to come back in a heartbeat. You know, you need to make sure that, you know, if, you know, if you know what you're talking about, about timing and compression and RPM and, and load and stuff like that, you know, if you know what you're talking about, hey, you know, give all the advice you want. But if not, you know, you've got, you've got a, a staff member that knows it here. So. And then Jason, we're kind of getting to 10 a.m. And I just wanted to get this question asked. Uh, you know, you have a, quite a perspective on the, the racing industry and uh, the, this pandemic that's hit us. And, and you could avoid this question or, or answer it however you want. It's, it's really a difficult time for all of us. But what do you see out there in the racing industry uh, in 2020? Um, what's happening? Well, I can tell you in, in March and April, I was uh, scared, scared to death because you know, that's our ramp up time. That's when my dealers and distributors and our tracks are starting to get online and start, you know, bringing in stock and whatnot. And when, you know, when the initial shutdown happened, it was ugly. And, and it, uh, uh, it, it, it scared me at first because I thought, you know, we are in an industry that, you know, we're not, we're not baby food. We're not diapers. We're not clean. You know, we're, we're, you don't need racing, but you know what? I take that back. We do need it because when people are feeling bad, they want to go do something that's fun, you know? And, and so it was funny right after the initial shock of we're shutting down and things are, you know, the economy starting to turn and whatnot, we noticed an upswing in the industry, not so much in racing fuel, but talking to my other friends in here, all, and I did it myself. I started buying, you know, backups for all my electronics for the race car. I started buying, you know, others. I'm like, well, heck, I guess if I can't go racing right now, we might as well get everything ready. I'm telling you, we had guys that had the most prepared teams and race cars by May that you've ever seen in their lives. Yeah, 100%. And, and so what, what, what we saw is then as soon as, and I, I won't get into all my feelings on this, but as soon as things started feeling better, okay, so then all of a sudden, you saw the upswing. And I mean, people are racing like crazy. As soon as the tracks were allowed to start testing, that did it. I mean, and look, our sales started kicking in, things, especially here in the Midwest. Now I can't say the same for, you know, our West Coast that has, you know, some different, you know, mentalities out there than, you know, what, what we have in the Midwest. But, you know, once they started, and then, and I just, I just talked to a customer this morning that was picking up fuel for the U.S. Nationals. They've got almost 900 cars over there in Indy right now at the U.S. Nationals. I love that. Pandemic, okay? Well, <laughs> what it is is everyone, if they know a race is going on, they're going to go racing because they don't know if next week they might not have a race going on. Yep. It's been working like this. So the racer mentality is still there. We still want to spend money on our toys. We, they still want to you know, be competitive and, and have fun. And I, I think, you know, in this industry, at least in the drag racing side of it and probably the circle track side, I think everybody's just ready for quote normalcy or something to kind of get back to some form of normalcy so that, you know, we don't have to, you know, you know, do we have our mask in our truck or do we, you know, or, you know, we just want, you know, and, and I will say on, on the other side of that is, when you go to a racetrack, it does feel normal. Yeah. You know, there's some protocols, things you got to do. But at the end of the day, you know, the racing family is the racing family. There's, it, you know, you don't have the, the anger or nothing. We're happy to be, all the racers are happy to be at the racetrack doing something they love to do. And, you know, and still talking to friends in the industry, it's some, some of my, my buddies, it's the best, it's the best years they've ever had through this now. They're, you know, and I'll tell you personally, our last four months in here in the Midwest, because of the rescheduling of events and things like that, that are now going on, it's, you know, we're still not back to what we lost, but we're getting pretty darn close. And so it's, you know, and, and I mean, Tyler can definitely jump in on this because he had to jump through some major hoops early on in the year to make stuff happen in Virginia. 
Okay, I, the thing I could talk to you two for another <laughs> hour and a half. There's so much fun to talk to, but I, I do want to keep it to an hour because I, I want sure. everybody to know that we do this thing within an hour, and then everybody can get back to work. So um, I, I, I may wind this down now. I, I, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Everybody on a pot of coffee. We're ready to rock now. Come on. Yeah, I know. You guys are ready to go. Your energy drink in there? Just getting spiced up. Let's go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said. This has been really fun as well as uh, insightful. And, and thank you very much. And, and that's what EPAR Trade has seen too, that we, we've seen a pretty active industry. So that when you, you, you go uh, look at the news, but then you go to EPAR Trade and see the traffic and user volume and everything, it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're doing fine and there's activity out there. So uh, we're, we're blessed that I'd rather be in, in an emergency. I'd rather be in an emergency with racers than, than anybody else. And then um, uh, hats off to the promoters for opening the racetracks the way they did without any big controversial mishap. I mean, they've, they've really handled it really well. And I, I want to thank them all. So anyways, thank you both for being here. Uh, we're this uh, EPAR Trade Live uh, series is, is just going really well. And we have several more uh, lined up. So we just typically do it Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. We get people from all around the world to uh, participate. And then, uh, Jason, if somebody has more questions, they can just call you. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, you can uh, you know, go on vpracingfuels.com and, and uh, you know, whatever part of the country you're in, uh, you can call one of our regional warehouses for your products. Um, you can also find all of our phone numbers on there as far as our you know, two-wheeled, off-road, you know, we, we divide it up. So, yeah, you, um, you know, like I said, I'm out and about, and you guys can find me all, all over the place. So. Okay, I should say that the, the bearded lady behind you is Bob Seeger. That is Bob Seeger from, you know, my back in the 70s, my dad used to manage Musicland stores, which were oh, wow. in, in the Midwest. And uh, um, so I, I, I've been a guitar player for 30 years, and, and uh so, but these, these were displays in the Musicland store. I've got this one, I got a Steve Miller band one, and then uh, I've got my dad's record collection. We have about 5,000 record albums from the 50s on to the 90s, so. I love Bob Seger, I've been to his concerts. I didn't know if the young people knew who he was, but he was a great rocker. So oh, he's awesome. That's it for us for today. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for joining us. And then we'll send out a note when this is available for viewing at a later date and, and everybody can share it with uh, the, the team at the shop. All right, we'll see you at the next one.